0: Hello, everyone. I just wanted to quickly mention something before this episode gets started and I kind of throw you into the normal introduction and the conversation today with our guest, Travu, who I think you guys are going to really enjoy. Um, For the first few minutes, there's actually a little bit of a scratching noise um, due to microphone rubbing up against a scarf that we weren't able to catch until a few minutes in. So please bear with that and know that it does go away pretty early on so that, you know, don't stop listening just because you start hearing that if it becomes somewhat annoying. Um, But we did kind of find the fix midway through and um, got rid of it. So within the first five minutes, it should be gone. So enjoy the episode, thanks. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ask IoT series on the IoT For All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, the editor in chief of IoT For All, and this is episode number 15. Um, For those of you who are new to the Ask IoT series, this is a series that we created to be dedicated to bringing on the brightest and most creative minds in IoT to chat and answer questions from the audience. Today, I'm joined by Hannah White, our managing editor, who will be co-hosting with me. Say hello, Hannah. Hello. <laughs> and our guest today is Travu, the COO of OmniLabs and Cambria, where she focuses on scaling OmniLabs robotics and AI products and services, and further expanding the reach of Cambria's open innovation protocols platform. So first off, welcome to the show, and thanks for being on here with us today. Why don't you go ahead and take a few seconds here to kind of give the audience a little insight into who you are?
1: Um, so thank you, Ryan and Hannah, for having me on the show. Um, as Ryan has mentioned, I am the CEO of Omni Labs in Cambria, where we are scaling the robotics and AI product and services. Um, my, my experience and background is very interesting. I, I actually started as a civil engineer and financial engineer, and I was doing a lot of uh, work in building uh, transportation services. So actually, applying a lot of uh, the technology uh, the, you know, con- that is connected to the internet, and I haven't, you know, and that experience will really make me realize the importance of, of IoT devices and products. But I haven't had the, ex- the chance to work in that space. So after after spending seven years in in engineering consulting, I had this wonderful opportunity to work with Army Labs. And from there, now I'm in a position where I'm actually building and working with a team that are building the, uh, the robots and the devices that, that are, are being used in my previous life. So, you know, I, it's, it's wonderful to be in both position, and I'm happy to share some of that with you today.
0: Very cool. Um, yeah, no, we're very excited to have you on the show. I think, you know, your background's are fascinating. It's a little bit different <laughs> and unique. Um, than we're then we're used to, which I think is good for what we're doing. Um, one thing I think would be great to kind of touch on before we get too far into it is talk a little bit about the two companies that you work with and the differences between the two, um, just to kind of give some context to the audience.
1: Yeah, certainly. So Omnilife has been created since has been founded in two thousand and fifteen, and it was founded by by three wonderful entrepreneurs. Thuc um, Jared Go, and Ting C. Tan. And all, all of our founders have had previous company building software and exiting this company, one of them to Google. And when they got into, when they got together and they were thinking about uh, building another company that would be impactful, the questions that they had asked for themselves is what would be, what would be personally valuable? And how does that, how does that help connect people? And in 2015, with, uh, with, you know, with the expanding spaces between family and friends, and we only had social media platform to get connected, they felt that the personal connection was missing. And they set out to build telepresent robots. But telepresence robot that can be used in a consumer space are usually very expensive. Robots in general are expensive, and that is why it's not adopted in a, in a, in the homes. It's not adopted in a mass scale. Usually, robots you know in the industry um, where you would have high margin, then you can apply it in the you know in industrial. You usually would would not. See a robot that is highly functional and adopted in the home. So that's what they set out to do. And in order to do that, they come up with a different manufacturing process. And the manufacturing processes that Omnilabs is now using is using 3D printing. So we build 3D printers. And from those 3D printers, we print robotic parts. So with right. 3D printers, yeah.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs>
1: So with three D printers, I mean the uh, what does that allow us to do is that we can we can build robots at a much cheaper price, but also we can customize the robots and the robots can do all sorts of things. You know, it can of course it can connect people, being a telepresence platform, but it can be controlled remotely. It can be integrated with other systems. Uh, it has uh, detections that that can help it uh, avoid collisions. It, it has ways to communicate externally and internally. So all of that has been you know, transforming the way that we build custom robots and, and help propel the adoptions of uh, consumer robots. What Cambria is about is the, the idea of taking what we've done here and making it open to everybody else. I mean, robotics development is, is really, really hard. But it's harder because all the work is done in silo. People doing all the work um, in in their own little trenches and are not shared at all. So if you were to build a new robot, you would have to start from scratch. Um, it's very difficult to to go and find a platform that is already available for you to develop on top. That's what we wanted to do, is that we wanted to make what we've you know, we want to share the knowledge and and the, the processes that we have developed. And shared with others, so that we can build better, more affordable robots um, that have impact to for the world. So that nobody has to start a robotics company from 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 this from scratch, and we can build on top of each other's work. And that's the with the basis of the open innovation platform.
0: Well, that that all that all sounds. I mean, that that all sounds really good um, very interesting stuff especially with the with the 3d printing and being able to bring the cost of robotics down which I know and like you mentioned is one of the biggest barriers to um, kind of adoption in a lot of these spaces um, mm-hmm. so can you kind of talk a bit more about what robotic um, telepresence actually is and what areas you guys specialize in I mean I know what it is because I've looked it up on your website and I've kind of <laughs> seen it at events but it's much it's probably much more... Um, their, their solutions are probably much more at a higher price point than what you guys are doing. You guys are making it much more affordable for this to happen. But could you just kind of break down exactly what robotic telepresence is? Because I'm sure some of these people have probably seen it before, but they just don't necessarily put the put the word um, or the terminology to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the, the easiest way to think about telepresence is the fact that you can use a robot to, to be somewhere else. So the robot is okay. a platform to to deliver your presence in a remote in a remote location, so if you were to visit your family who is thousands of miles away, I mean, one way to do it is to be there in present. The other way to do it, and 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 will give you the same almost the same kind of experience, is to dial into a robot like Omni Telepresent robot, and control this robot and be telepresence in your family's house. So you can visit your grandmother who lives in Vietnam. You can visit your friends who who live in Australia, all through these robots. Um, And and you can control the robot uh, fully. So there is no need for the other person to actually do anything. And that is, I think a key differentiator between our robot and others is that you can wake up the robot remotely, you have full control of the robot, you can tilt your head, you can um, you know, follow somebody, you can talk to them, of course. And the interactions is very natural when you are in full control. It's a huge difference in, in experiences when you can actually follow somebody and, and you can show all, some of the movement, right? A lot of our conversation is about body movement. And that body movement translate through uh, the screen on the robot, but also translate directly to the movement of the robot itself. There are lights on the robot. Um, there, you know, there are tilting neck. Uh, there are other movement on the robot that 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 translate that body movement over. So the the kind of aer- yeah, something Yeah. S- sorry.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say. No worries. Uh, Something I realized when I was looking at your website and the telepresence uh, robots actually was that I had seen it on TV before and I didn't Mm -hmm. even realize telepresence was the word for it. It was on two different shows I watched: Bob's Burgers and and The Good Wife. Mm -hmm. And in one scenario, Tina uses it to go to school when she's sick. So she, like a young girl, still goes to school using the robot. And in another Mm -hmm. scenario, someone, a lawyer, I think, who had just had a baby uses the Mm -hmm. robot to work while working from home.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And um, we, we actually in um, more than a dozen hospitals right now, providing that access to classroom for sick children. Uh, It's, it's a, it's a fantastic platform for just being in, in a normal, you know, to, to give you that normality back, especially when you're going through, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's about that, uh, that connections that you are missing while you are in a hospital bed, or you know, you're trying to connect with your colleagues. And if you cannot be there physically, this mobile telepresent platform will give you that connection. And the, the differences between Omni Telepresent robot and perhaps other product is the fact that we, we are we, we don't have any application at all. Everything lives on the web. So if you, if you needed to access and, and control the robot, you don't, you don't have to have a mobile app. You can just dial in using your laptop, you can dial in anything that is connected to the, to, that give you access to the, the web browser.
0: So is the, so if, if I'm a sick child at a hospital, would, so I would be able to log in to a computer to be able to pull up the feed and the robot would then be in the classroom at my mm-hmm. school and i would be able to have it interact with other students listen to the teacher talking participate in any way possible mm-hmm. uh, or any way that i guess a robot could um, without actually being there mm-hmm. now is this something that that if in that situation the the hospital would need to be something like subscribe to it or would the school need to the, to do that or would it be something that the individual person would do because I'm just curious, kind of how that relationship works um, in that use case.
1: Yeah, so we had clients where it's individual who felt that they they needed okay. to give that connection back for their kids, um, so that their gotcha. their their children, you know, would would feel normal again, and and that would help them in their healing process. But then we also had schools okay. who have taken initiative, you know, to make sure that their students are connected to the classroom because they understand the importance of of continuing education while these students are not able to attend classes and they you know there mm-hmm. there are kids who are sick but there are kids who just feel that they there are days where they don't feel like they could be in a classroom um, and mm-hmm. and it could come from an emotional place it doesn't have to be a physical thing so with a robot you know you can choose to show your face you can choose to not show your face you can use a different avatar you can have right. you can you can connect with your classmate through voice but there are you know there are lights um there are ways for you to and there are audio feats that you can do to raise your hand you know in a way to interact with with your classmate as well as your teacher and our um our robot has a 4k camera so if you were mm-hmm. If you wanted to take notes, you really just have to take a picture and you get a 30 megapixel uh, picture of of the whiteboard. So you don't have to take notes, (laughs) which I think a lot of our clients find very useful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure all the kids in class would rather just do that
1: yeah exactly <laughs> but you can not have you know you can not have your phone in a the classroom these days right. uh, but if you had a robot right. you can just snap a very very high quality photo all the way from the back of the classroom and uh, you don't have to take notes
0: yeah i wonder how, how this uh kind of discourages kids from playing sick because it's like well you can't go to school it's fine you can just sit here all day and watch a computer screen and interact with your students in class like you're there so i'm sure it, it definitely helps with uh with kind of keeping the kids engaged or I mean this is obviously not just the only use case I'm sure but but really keeping people engaged and kind of being able to participate and really not miss or not always having to be physically present to participate yeah, um, so exactly. I'm sure the application for this go a long way and like like I said I've seen these at events and such but I, I just when I saw them it just did not seem something that was very practical based on the hardware and the the way they built there. So the fact that you guys are kind of going on a different route to make it something that more schools or hospitals or businesses can afford, I think um, will be really interesting to see how this kind of grows. Now, mm-hmm. one area I did want to kind of jump into because I think it relates really well to IoT because um, we've written about it a lot in IoT for all is mobility and kind of how this increases that mobility, which we've kind of already touched on and the aging in place use case in mm-hmm. your eyes. Like, how much have you guys gotten into the aging in place space using, um, you know, this kind of solution? And how do you see mobility and aging in place kind of connected?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Well, when when we built uh, Omni Robot, it came from a personal place, and that's why we we connected you know, with our family through tele for, mm-hmm. through Omni and. You know, we check in with in with our our parents. We check in with our grandmothers through our Omni robots. Right. And as as we as our and as the in general, the generations are getting older, they really just want to stay at home. I I know my grandparents mm-hmm. just want to stay at home, and really they like they said that if they could handle um, you know a few things on their own with some assisted help. It would, be, it would be about connecting with the family, having somebody reminding them to take their pills. It's about helping them getting from one place to another. Um, if they could have a robot to help them with this, they would be comfortable at home <laughs> more so than anywhere else. I mean, it, yeah. we, we also, as a family member, um, just wanted to have peace of mind in a way for us to check in on them. So one of our clients, um, they use... So one time they couldn't find their mother, and and he he couldn't call her. He he couldn't get in touch with her. So he dialed into the army telepresence robot, and he drove you know he he used the robot to maneuver around the house, and he found her. Um, she fell. She she couldn't get help, yeah. and and that's how he was able to to stay with her get on 911 call for first responder and really saved her life. And so if we, the, if we yeah.
0: Do they do they offer any type of recording or um kind of being able to I know you said you can take a picture but can you record a video or anything through them as far as if you you know saw something happen that you needed to be able to kind of explain to I don't know, a doctor that this is what just happened to somebody or, or whatever it may be, does it offer that capability as well?
1: So, well, currently we, we do not and it has to do with privacy issues. Um, sure. But uh, in, in, a, in a version where the enterprise version where there is another layer of, of responsibility by a third party, then we will allow okay. that. Uh, the capability is there, we just don't activate it because of privacy issue in an individual use cases. Um, but that but,
0: makes sense.
1: Yeah, but if you know, so we we have enterprise clients who oversees hospitals or schools, where they would like the ability to do that, you know, for for additional reassurance. And in this case, it's more about safety. Then that capability would be functional and would be you know would be regulated, and so
2: right.
1: we would make it available then.
0: Okay, and now if if you let's say you're you know you have an elderly family member who you've bought this. Put it into their home. How does how do you does there are there sensors or any type of um, mm-hmm. I guess any hardware on it to kind of make you not run into anything or fall down the steps? You know because I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Or does the head you know rotate camera so you can kind yes. of see if you're about to run over anything and then if it does it eat could easily fall. I mean how does it get back up? Like how does that kind of how do you handle those situations?
1: Yeah, so the robot is controlled by you and there are two cameras. Right. There's a camera that that shows the the base of the robot where you are going, right. and then there is a front facing camera and, and like you said the, the camera the robot head actually moves so you have a, a full vision, um, and so when you are driving it's it's very uh, you you actually have full view of where the robot is in space, um, including actually. the yeah, uh, and we do have a version where you know there's collision avoidance. Um, and, but okay. with collision avoidance right now, we're using LiDAR technology, but we are also um, looking into a more sophisticated uh, collision system using SLAM, which is using death camera, you know, measuring not only the, lo- leak, the location of the robot, but also the depth. So there's all sorts of um, technology that we can integrate fairly quickly and, and affordably into our robot. But for each of these upgrades, it depends on the use cases. There are customers sure. that really, really need it, and so of course we will implement it. And then there are customers who really don't need it. No, they know their layout, their own home, um, and they can easily maneuver in the space. Uh, the robot itself is only right. eighteen pounds, <laughs> and it's very sturdy. Okay. Yeah. So and and it's, it, it's foldable. Right. So a robot folds in half. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's very easy yeah. to. Like, and this
0: to Wi-Fi of, it's connected to the house the home's Wi-Fi or the building's Wi-Fi
1: Yeah so the, or is it connected It could be both. it could be both the, the version that is readily available right now is uh, connected through Wi-Fi. Uh, we do okay. have other versions that can be connected to 4G 5G. Okay mm-hmm. Yeah so
0: I, now how, how go ahead sorry.
1: Oh I, I was trying to address the, the question about mobility. So I, yes. you know, while, while we talk about aging in place, mobility is the other aspect of it. And I think of mobility in many ways. I think mobility is to have independent movement you know, within short distances, but, but also mobility as in uh, allowing people to, to be connected um, and, and being able to just... So mobility to me is in the home, but also mobility in like a neighborhood. And a robot could assist it in that in many ways, um, to just be able to have motorized function on a robot that can assist moving from one place to another. Or when you need to go mm-hmm. further, you know, a robot could also help with that as long as it can be connected um, and it has its own uh, collision avoidance functionality. So given our telepresent platform and the fact that we build... Custom robots through three D printing. We are creating a series of uh, products that help people achieve this independent mobility. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty amazing. I think there's a lot to be said of you know, especially with that with the aging in place use case when it comes to increasing mobility. Um, one thing I was curious about is what happens, you know, let's say. You know, you buy this solution for an elderly person in your family, and it gets disconnected from the internet, or you know, service is down and it's not working. Mm-hmm. How are those problems usually handled? Because you're probably putting this in the presence of somebody who is from a not so tech savvy generation, mm-hmm. and the last thing they want to do is another gadget in their house that they can't fix or deal with when it breaks. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I know a lot of older people who have gone from. So, you know smartphones to the the most basic form of, of phones possible um, mm. to make it easier on themselves so how does something like this how, how have you seen um, a product like this in in that space with the, you know <laughs> an older non generation and if something happens like connection is lost or um, you know needs to be fixed in some way is that something like how, how is that usually handled
1: yeah we, we, I mean our clients ranges from you know three euro to uh, 90 euro. So we actually have seen a lot right. We we have seen this, this um, issue uh, or challenges that, that has come up. And the good thing about uh, Omni is that you don't actually have to do anything. So it works right out of the box. So we could set up,
2: okay. the,
1: we could just set up Omni in to give, to have the Wi-Fi access. So the moment it arrives at the home, it won't be connected to, Uh, you know, it will be connected to the internet and it will be ready to go right away. But um, internally, yeah, internally, the device itself does um, Wi-Fi scanning. So it will scan every three minutes. So if even when your internet connection is dropped, then Mm -hmm. first of all, it will go to sleep. If it has no connection and nobody is dialing into it, it will go to sleep in order to preserve battery because the the battery is good for six hour uptime. And quite a long time when it goes to sleep so it preserve battery in case you cannot uh, be in, just in case it's not being charged um, secondly you know when it does wake up it uh, is scanning and it'll continuously scan for internet connection so you though so as an end end user you don't actually have to do anything
0: okay makes a lot of sense.
2: Mm-hmm. to charge it does it connect to a port or do you have to manually plug it into the wall?
1: uh no you um, so there' uh, there is a uh, the charging dock itself needs to be plugged into the wall but the the charging mechanism is a wireless connection. So the person who controls a robot, so if he, I were to visit my grandmother and I wanted to dock the robot, um, I just have to press a button and the robot go and find its dock and it automatically docks it. She doesn't actually have to do anything. The, uh, there's only one. Really- yeah, there's you only have to plug in the dock itself in the first place. But the connection between the dock and the robot is wireless and is controlled remotely.
2: How does the robot handle stairs or a closed door? So it it doesn't it
1: doesn't uh, go down the stairs. I mean, the mechanism of going down the stairs is extremely difficult. Uh, you probably have seen humanoid robots and all that, but you know, think of think of the functionality that you have um, to go up and down the stairs versus just carrying it. So what we've done instead is that if you wanted to move the robot. From one floor to another, you can just carry it. It's less than 18 pounds, um, or you can have multiple robots because it's you know, less than 1,500 for for one robot. The idea that it, of building a robot that can going to go down the stair is going to put that robot into you know a million dollars price tag because it's an extremely <laughs> complex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: you gonna know, freak some people out if that thing starts walking down the steps.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you've seen it, right? You've seen the Boston the Dynamics. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's From amazing. <laughs> yeah.
0: it, uh, it reminds me of when uh, when I saw the Boston Dynamics one. It was it reminded me of uh, Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw Black Mirror. Yes. Black, but when it when it's basically it hunts down the people. Mm-hmm. Um, that when that thing started opening doors, it was it kind of started <laughs> to freak people out. Um, yeah. but that's, that's that's it's super interesting because I think people when, they're, when they think about robotics and IOT they're not thinking about it in a practical use case a lot of the times um, when right. we went to CES this past year robot, robots were everywhere but they mm-hmm. were very you could tell they were much at a much higher kind of level of I guess maybe a higher price point but they were really going for what could be possible versus what's practical mm-hmm. and I think it's always interesting to see what could possibly happen with robots but nobody's really thinking about it so much in a practical sense um and i think what you guys are doing is much more in a practical sense so mm-hmm. i wanted to get into the ask iot questions in a second but one question i wanted to ask kind of based on this last part of the conversation which i think is interesting is are there any robotics projects outside of maybe what um we've already talked about that you've come across that's that's scared you from um a sense because honestly when you talk to people about robots and ai people get scared of certain things right i mean they think of yeah. terminator they think of a, lot of a lot of it's not practical in a sense of like or realistic um mm-hmm. at least right now but have you kind of come across someone who works in robotics where you've actually been like wow that's that actually works it's kind of terrifying
1: <laughs> yeah i i can see how the how the media can really influence our perception of robotics and i am really right. glad that at least with with Omni Labs and what we are trying to do here, we are pushing for the adoption of consumer-friendly robots, robots that are, you know, looks like a robot and do things to help people, not really to replace okay. anybody. And, and definitely, we are not trying to um, copy the humanoid functional a uh, humanoid form factor. Because I think that sure. scares a lot of people is that when a robot looks so much like human, but then it does things that, um, you know, it's, it's when a robot looks like a human, but then it doesn't do things like human, and then it doesn't have the empathy mm-hmm. like human. And that's where you get really, right. really scared. It's the lack of uh, how do I connect with this thing? Whereas if you build a robot where people don't mean to connect with it, people using it as a medium to do something else. So our robot is to provide that that assistive um, functionality. You know, you you are you through the robot. The robot is not replacing you. you know? or, right. the, or the robot is going to help your grandmother with mobility. The robot is not actually going to drive her around. You know, that's that kind of... Um, right. I think that's where I, I would be most scared if one day a humanoid robot comes up to me and said, Hey, let me let me open this door for you and um or this robot comes up to me and said, Hey, let let me help you cook and, and it actually, you know, start cooking me food, but it's it's a humanoid robot. That scares me. Right. <laughs> I'd rather yeah, have you a robot can't, that, that can't is can't just no cooking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't want I don't want it to be replacing, you know, the chefs out there. I just want a robot in the kitchen that can help with a few things, you know.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, I've I've seen I've seen robots kind of in in the bartending space, you know, being able to make drinks because they're able to make it exact every time. So you can um, and same within the kitchen. I think there's definitely a lot of value in bringing robots into that space because they can um, do the same thing over and over at to an exact science to where you know, the food will always, given that the food is obviously fresh, it will taste the same because they're not, you know, just winging it or doing anything different there. So it's definitely practical, but I do kind of, I know even without even being able to name maybe a specific item that scares us, I think the the connection you made as far as once you kind of put that humanized element into robots, it's that's when people start to be able to relate to it. And that's when it starts to terrify them because they, it's not a human, but mm-hmm. it's acting. or At least it looks like one. So so you don't get all those, um, you know, general characteristics that you do get with people, even though I know they try to do that. It's just it just is too hard to, to replicate it, at least at this time. So right. that makes and, complete sense.
1: Exactly. And and what are we trying to achieve here? Right. Uh, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, at least for us, the vision for it is to help with the adoption of robots, but to to help people. So if a robot is walking up the stairs that, you know, in a sense is is an amazing robotics feat. but what does right. it do <laughs> what what, do you, what are we trying to achieve here
0: <laughs> right we see that a lot in iot also where it's you know doing it, it's it's building something iot related to just to build it and show what's possible but it's actually not doing anything that's practical i think especially in iot devices on the consumer side a lot of things are being built and shared and sold right now that are really luxury type items or nice to have things that people don't really see the practical side of it's more of like just a cool gadget um, that mm-hmm. it might be nice to have and I think that's kind of what's happening here with robotics we're seeing a lot of really cool robots and really cool technologies and ways they can be used but at the same time it's not the most practical use case mm-hmm. um, for people to see that ROI on, on spending the money on them so yeah. what you guys are doing and other companies out there who do similar things this actually provides a real value for something and gives us an opportunity to be places where we can't physically be um, rather than just building it to build it. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, exactly. Bringing value. That's what we want to do. Yes. Value at an affordable cost. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Cost is definitely important. I think depending on the use case, the cost matters more. If it's individuals buying this, then yes. If it's a a large organization they may be able to justify a higher cost in order to because of the ROI they're getting like if they're if their employees are out all the time or working remotely this is a way for them to be present in the office without actually being there and if that turns into a higher level of engagement and a higher um, output from their team from production level then it probably worth the cost
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah we uh, and, and then we, we would love to um, to get into more of you know, every single, every single use case is, has its nuances, right? It's like, okay, I want this feature plus another feature that will specifically be useful for my needs. And uh, I think that right. the, the 3D printing capability that we have adopted and, and built is really where we are shining right now is that we can build a completely new robot for your use case for for a mm-hmm. fraction of the cost. Um, yeah, uh, because we can just print oh, it. And-
0: yeah, are you guys doing that yourselves with your own printers or are you using mm-hmm. another company's printers? Okay, so you built the printers yourself.
1: Yeah, we actually are on the fifth version right. now of, of our own 3D printers. And uh, yeah, and so okay. this in this uh, fifth version, our printers self-calibrate and all of that. So it really, uh, it really helps with production because the product comes out and within under 24 hours, we can go from one design to the next design, implement it on a robot, yep. test it. And if that doesn't work, we're just testing on the hardware you know so it's, it's, it's an amazing, yeah, and, and it's absolutely. amazing space
0: <laughs> absolutely Yeah, I mean, the, the 3d printing has always been a, a fascinating topic for a lot of people but now that you're able to see how it can bring down the cost of, of you know otherwise expensive items is pretty interesting um, and you eliminate or not eliminate but you reduce the time to build hardware um, and the costs usually associated with hardware and hardware changes. So I mm-hmm. think 3D printing is a really interesting approach when it comes to those things. Um, so that's pretty awesome. Um, Thank you. Let me see. So I think the next thing I want to do is I wanted to move into the Ask IoT questions. We have four of them, which I think are all very interesting. Some of which we've touched on a little bit already, but we can expand first here. Um, mm-hmm. The first question we have is how do robotics and the Internet of Things work together? And I know mm-hmm. we've kind of talked about it a little bit being able to put sensors on robots so robots can, you know, understand their surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your words, how do robotics and IoT work together?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are components uh, that is on the robots itself to help it get connected mm-hmm. and 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 you know, for a telepresent robot, you definitely need to be connected to internet the internet in order for you to get access and controlling it. But beyond mm-hmm. that. The robot is a platform for you to integrate other systems, and I think this is where the the frontier, uh, the next the next frontier will be, is that our robot can integrate with other devices like biometric devices. It can be integrating with uh, alarm systems. It can be integrated with pill bottles, so that let's say if you wanted to remind somebody to take their pills, now you have the telepresent component. To ensure that people are actually taking their pills, you know, that's that's one thing that that a lot of people um, struggle with is that okay, not only a reminder, and the fact that people open the bottles, but how do you sure ensure that somebody actually takes the pills? So you know, with with uh, telepresence platform, you are adding that component, another insurance, um, and other devices like biometrics. So if you wanted to. If if a doctor, so specialists, especially in outpatient visits, are an uh, it's a very costly, uh, a costly part of our healthcare system. And when you go into mm-hmm. a healthcare facility, you are stay, you know it's not only the amount of time that you have to be there, but then when you are there, you only see a doctor for maybe 10, 15 minutes. All of this could be done at the comfort of your own home. And you know, right after a surgery, you really don't want people to have to go to. The hospital. I mean, that's that's really that's really not a good way to help people heal. So all of this could right. be done in the comfort of their own home using other devices that are connected to robots, and integrating these systems together and delivering all that information to the specialists, and so that they can go make you know additional analysis and and just to to help um, with the whole process, we can integrate that. Whole system into you know a, you know a profile to help them uh, see the progress of their healing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great. So, think, um, so the next question we have, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, go ahead and finish that thought.
1: Oh yeah, I say I was just thinking that you know in terms of uh, robots and IoT working together, I see you know I see it in all sorts of vertical in healthcare, in mobility, and uh, in education. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, it's really about what. How do you want? How do you want uh, all your devices to be connected? Um, and right. and really, if if it's about integrating it on one platform, I think Telepresence platform is really a critical component of it all.
0: Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. So the second question we have mm-hmm. is, um, and this is just obviously from personal experience, things you've seen. What are some of the most common use cases um, in elderly population maybe not necessarily just aging in place but that connects to iot robots can obviously be involved here Mm -hmm. but have you come across interesting iot use cases um Mm -hmm. in the in the elderly population
1: um yeah i think for for elderly i think it would be about companionship um Mm -hmm. you know as you as you age you you feel further apart from your family but also your your circle of friends you're feeling further and further away. So if if there is a way for for us to give the elderly, you know, this this medium to be connected with people they want to be connected uh, without dealing with the complexity of technology, I think that would be really useful. So the robots that we are working on, you know, there is a two-way communication. So you can talk to the robot if you feel lonely, but also if you wanted to connect to somebody, you can, uh, in the next phase, we can ask a robot to be connected to somebody else. And then, you know, if you can control the robot through speech, I think that would be the next level of where you can give somebody that companionship um, and connecting, uh, connecting them with their family and friends with ease.
0: I've also, outside of the robotics space, I've seen um, a lot of different things. If you think about smart homes and kind of the tools that people are building to make Mm -hmm. homes or apartments smart, we're seeing a lot of those adapted to the elderly Mm -hmm. generation to monitor movement, to monitor their location in the house, to, um, you know, if they fall, if they, you know, where what they're doing, are they, you know, keeping to a normal routine and all that kind of stuff, just from a monitoring them um, remotely kind of standpoint for Mm -hmm. family members for doctors and so forth I mean we can go on probably forever about um, different IOT use cases for aging in place and for the elderly population but one of the ones I think is most interesting is just that ability to use sensors um, connected to or in order to monitor the um, behavioral patterns and movement of the elderly in their home because sometimes they live by themselves or they're in a situation where they can't always be monitored and Mm -hmm. I think it's more important for them than it is for Almost any age group outside of like infants and children.
1: Yeah, I I, I really like uh, the concept, but I'm afraid that in so I'm actually you know coming from civil engineering background. I this is one of the space that I'm really interested in the smart homes. Um, I mm-hmm. think the challenge to me is as an end user, how many people can really afford um, sure. a house like that? So if we can we if we can work together to to create technology that reduces that cost um, but will provide the, the basis for monitoring and and basis to connect people if there is an you know irregular pattern in the in, in 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 their in their movement that would be really really good without having you know without having the whole house being a smart home because that is a bit out of the affordable range for the majority of the elders
0: absolutely that makes a lot of sense. And um, I guess the last, or not the last, but the third question I have um, from the Ask IoT questions relates to something we already talked about, but I think it's a question that gets asked all the time, or not even asked, but maybe just mentioned all the time when people see anything new about robots and AI. Um, the question is Do you believe AI and robotics will take more jobs than they create? And basically, I think this is coming from the frame of mind is should people be fearful of AI and robots?
1: I, I would say that. Whatever jobs that the robots are taking away, it would be it's it's more about bridging the gap between the the lack of resources rather than replacing, because in many verticals there are a huge gap now, uh, especially in healthcare. Right, um, we we see a widening gap between physicians' need and care need and and the the end users. Um, so it, it it's it's actually out of necessity now that people are looking into solutions like robotics, uh, like like IoT, in order to bridge this gap. Um, I think when people are fearful of robotics taking away jobs, it's you know it's it's about maybe industrial robots have you know for a long time when when we had uh, people working on the assembly line and the robots taking away those jobs. Those people got reskilled into service, right? Exactly. So now, so so now, I mean, what we are trying to do on, on on in the OmniLab side and Cambria as an open innovation is that we are creating curriculum and educational training to help people reskill. You know, reskill so that they can be, you know, so so that somebody doesn't have to have, let's say, um, earn certain licenses in order to provide care because you can provide care with. Uh, robots or qualified care with IoT solutions, and I think that that will really help us bridge these gaps because these gaps are just widening. Though the physician phys- physician needs gap, it's uh, high skill gaps. I mean, these gaps are, can can be bridged if we can reskill a certain group of people and giving them the tools that they need. Um, and together, together we can really be. Uh, productive and and provide the value to end users.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, I understand where people are coming from because of the information mm-hmm. I think they're given is not or is, is very limited to be able to make the big assumptions that they they make, saying robots and AI is eventually going to take all of our jobs and we're going to be left doing nothing. I mean, if you just look <laughs> at the history of. of of our country, it's, you know, innovation changes and, and some jobs get phased out in replace of machines that automate and kind of make things more efficient and bring down costs and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. usually the individuals do get reskilled, um, and other jobs are created because of that. So I think it's just a general evolution of the market. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think people should be too fearful. I mean, I understand people who are fearful if, if their specific job is going to be replaced um was going to replace them with a robot but i think they're they should see it as opportunity and other and there are other ways to kind of um you know adapt to this because it's happened throughout the the history of of, of you know our country and i think it's it's going to continue to happen um, yeah, regardless of what you. people want mm-hmm. we can't stop that and we shouldn't because i think that with innovation comes a ton of of benefit for us as a society
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but again yep. this is probably a, a topic that we could go down a rabbit hole for forever <laughs> um <and> debate <laughs> But yeah. I want to get into this last, this last question before we wrap up here. Um, I thought it was really interesting because um, we don't really think about the younger generation that much when we're talking about these high-level topics. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. My, my 10-year-old has a high level of interest in technology. How would you start their education at home in areas such as IT and robotics?
1: Yeah. So I, I think education is so important. Um, I, I forget to mention, but uh, I, I also also an adjunct professor at New York University. And so when we talk about educating the next generation, we always, we, always, we always try to bring in thinking about it in 20 years, right? Because that's when it's actually going to be applied, uh, when you join the workforce. So to me, I think that if we were to train a 10-year-old right now, I would, I would want them to, to first learn how to code. Uh, very important. Um, it's like a language, right? We learn English, we learn Japanese, we learn Spanish. And uh, we haven't really made uh, programming languages as a requirement. I know that it's getting, uh, getting a lot of tractions, but we should make it uh, part of the curriculum so that everyone is exposed to it. Now, robotics in specifically has been somewhat of a... People think about it almost like rocket science, like, oh, it must be very hard to do. And true uh, robotics is not easy, but uh, with certain uh, curriculum and platform, we can make very highly functional robots um, accessible to younger and younger students. So nowadays, you know, we have Lego Mindstorm and we have all these other learning software. But when you're a little bit older, we would like to open up our type of platform to help people build customized robot you know using Telebre present platform or a robotic arm platform so that you can come out of school come out of high school building highly functional robots um, and that that is really you know one of the key, A pillar of what we are trying to do for Cambria, you know, with the open innovation platform is creating these educational programs that somebody can can take on, participate. And at the end of the the semester, at the end of the year, they can come out and create a robot, (laughs) a truly useful robot. Um, And and, and, uh, that I think if we could achieve that in the next five, 10 years, that would be hugely successful for us.
0: Yeah, I'd be very curious to kind of see where the next level of innovation comes from on the AI and robotics side, or IoT, I guess, more so than AI um, and robotics side in that time frame. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of younger mm-hmm. individuals transition from just being straight engineers to being a more kind of diverse skill set to understand you know the full spectrum of, of, let's say, an IoT solution, understanding hardware, understanding connectivity, understanding Mm -hmm. um software under design and i think all of that is a new unique skill set that i i don't think is ever too early for um the next generation to learn especially if iot kind of meets its potential and becomes this massive next revolution of of tech um and that you know goes hand in hand with the the developments of in the robotic space in the ai space machine learning and so forth so Mm -hmm. um so I, I'm very, very interested to see kind of how our education system and just the general resources available to younger generations uh, evolve over the next few years to kind of start building that the next um, next round of of um, of technical um, experts.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope that there's going to be more schools that are building innovation labs, you know, maker labs. You know, you learn a lot by actually putting some of that uh, theory into action, applying it immediately. Uh, you know, we, when we say IoT, it seems like an, um, an abstract, but if you were to build a device that is connected to the internet and it does a few things, you immediately get the concept and you understand now how all of that work in the mesh network of internet of things. So <laughs> it's more about, um, to me, it's more about the, the labs, the, the, applica- the applications sure. of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, just making things more accessible, and make, mm-hmm. you know, understanding kind of what it's going to take. I think is going to be very important, and we're starting to see that happen now. So it'll be great to see that evolve over the next number of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the yeah, next so, generation.
0: <laughs> absolutely, uh, I really appreciate you you know, taking the time to be on this with me. Um, and Hannah, we've you know, I've I've enjoyed learning a ton because we don't usually cover robotics and talk that much about it. So it's been very fascinating to kind of learn a little bit more of the practical application of it. Before we completely wrap up here, is there anything you want to leave the audience with? And um, in addition to that, if our audience had more questions after listening to this episode, what's the best way to connect with you to, to kind of follow up and um, kind of go from there?
1: Oh, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me on the show. I, I've i also really enjoyed our conversation. I, I know that robotics have not always been... Um, well received because of media tensions and the way that it was portrayed in some of the movies. But if you think about robots being an assistive uh, platform for us to do do more with our lives, to bring real value to the people that we love, then we can go somewhere. I think there is a a paradigm shift here of people's perception of robots, but also the way that we can approach uh, robotics development itself. So robotics development in the past has been difficult, but you know if you think about robots as something that uh, uh, st- uh, students can start building, then I think the adoption would be a lot easier. And as we, as, as we like, evolve, our, our product evolve, um, the way of doing lean manufacturing, affordable manufacturing, we can uh, expand and open it up to more and more of the younger audiences. So, uh, so my takeaway, um from 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 this podcast is that there is so much going on there is a there's a huge horizon and amazing opportunity out there in IoT and robotics will will probably be coming more and more popular in this space um i i would say that if you are interested in in robotics uh, please reach out to us at uh, omnilabs.com. uh we do have we do have uh, curriculums and trainings, and we're making more and more videos on how a person can just get started uh, on making their own 3D printers and then how does that tie all together into making a robot. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you are you know, just a recreational tinkerer, you know, please check us out. Um, and if you have any specific question for me, uh, you can email me at uh, vitra, so V-T-R-A at Omnilabs.com.
0: Very cool. Awesome. Well, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I thought this was very valuable for all of us. Um, Hannah, any last questions, anything?
2: Nope. I think that covered it.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, you know, we'll link up all the information that you mentioned, all the link, I mean, all the, um, the contact information and so forth in the show notes so that people can connect with you and can, um, you know, find out more about what it is that you're working on. So, um, you know, thank you again, and hopefully we'll have you on sometime in the future. And, um, and, you know, it was great.
1: Thank you. Thank you both.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ask IoT series with Travu, the COO of OmniLabs and Cambria. If you did enjoy this, please leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. It helps others find it and lets us know that you're a fan, which is also pretty cool for us. Um, please don't forget to also subscribe so you always get our latest episodes the second they become available. And remember that if you have any questions about anything related to IoT or for one of our guests specifically, please use the hashtag AskIoT or tweet us directly at #IoTforall, all and we'll be sure to review the question and hopefully have it featured in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening.